You're here on a really great Sunday. We're in the final week of a three-part series that we've been doing called Christmas in Three Words. The previous two weeks, I've given you the first two words. Today, I'm going to reveal the final word of Christmas in Three Words. But before we do that, you've heard this a couple of times throughout the month. Let me give you a, a little bit more information on Christmas Eve at Go Church. I know that for many of your families, you're traveling through the holiday season, so... If you're not able to be with us at either one of our campuses, may the Lord be with you wherever you go. If you are local and you are in town, we're, we're going to have a birthday party for Jesus. Come on now. So we've got three uh, Christmas Eve gatherings at our South Metro Atlanta campus, 2, 4, and 6 p.m., and then at Germantown, 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. You can see that at both of our campuses, because of the tickets, both of those 4 p.m. gatherings are already at capacity, which is great news. There's limited room in the other gatherings as well as those tickets have been going fast. But let me just give you a little bit of information here. We're going to make room for everybody. Is that good? So even if we, we got uh, overflow on standby, we're ready to go. Uh, you know, it was, it was the innkeeper that said there's no room for Jesus. We're going to make room for you. Come on now. So there's room for everybody, but the tickets do help us to prepare for your arrival, for family and for friends. As you've heard, there is no cost for admission. It's absolutely free to be a part of any of our gatherings at either of our campuses. However, if you are a ticket holder, so if you're one of the almost 1,900 people that have grabbed tickets already between the two campuses, I want you to know that if you have a ticket, the doors are going to open 15 minutes before each of these gatherings to give you preferred seating. And then about seven minutes before the gathering, we're going to open it up for everybody else. So if you got a ticket, come early. If you don't have a ticket, you can still come. And it's not too late to grab a ticket. We're going to make room for everybody. But if a ticket holder just gives you early entry to get a really good seat. So again, two campuses, five gatherings between the two campuses. We're going to celebrate Jesus on Christmas Eve. I'm so excited to celebrate that with you. Communion, worship, word. I, I might even sing Silent Night. Come on now. So is anybody excited about Christmas Eve at Go Church? Come on, make some noise. Fantastic. Can't wait to see you there. We got a couple days left and then we're, we're going to celebrate Jesus then. And then one more quick announcement. 21 days of prayer and fasting is one of the most powerful events that we do as a church body. That's going to start on Saturday, January the 4th. For more information about this, you can visit mygochurch.com. But I'm just inviting you and urging you that if you've got if you've got a prayer request that only God can answer, come out to one of these times of corporate prayer. Monday through Friday, our auditoriums will be open at 6 a.m. And then each Saturday during the 21 days of prayer and fasting, we'll worship together, have a devotion and pray together at 8.30 on Saturdays. I know your schedules are crazy, but if you could carve out some time, and you've heard me say this before, but if you get up before the sun comes up, God will meet you there. Come on, give me an amen right there. That'll preach. So come and join us for 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's going to be a fantastic experience, and I hope that you can be a part. All right. Are you ready for week number three? Yes. You're ready for word number three. Go with me in your Bible to Luke chapter two. I'm going to give you verses eight through 14. Uh, these particular verses have been our foundational verses, our theme verses through this whole series. I'm going to start in verse number eight here, and I'll show you the previous two words. I'm not going to re-preach those, but I'll give you enough content maybe to whet your appetite if you missed it to go back and listen to the podcast or watch the replay. The first verse starts out like this, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And here's the first thing that the angel said to them. They said, do not be afraid. 
And then just for some participation, both campuses on three, let's read this last phrase together. One, two, three. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So in this one verse here, verse number 10, the very first word was revealed, Christmas in three words, and we learned that Christmas is a time for celebration. At the end of the day, Christmas is a party. Come on now. We should be partying. We should be enjoying uh, the festivities of the holidays. You should be able to spend time with family and friends and loved ones. You should eat. Come on now. How many of you already got a plan to eat? Wave at me if you're with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it down in Jesus. All for Jesus. Come on, somebody. Seconds for Jesus. So it's a celebration. And you should enjoy that. But never lose sight of the reason that we're ultimately celebrating Christmas. Exchange those gifts with people that you care about. But really, we're celebrating the fact that God loves you that God is with you and that God is for you. To make it more personal, God loves me, come on now. God is with me and God is for me. And this is why we celebrate Christmas. That was week number one. Week number two, we looked at verse number 11 and the Bible says this, today in the town of David, that's Bethlehem. Let's read this together, one, two, three. A savior has been born to you. So this is beautiful because the second word is presented and we learn that Christmas is not only about a time of, of celebration, but Christmas is also all about salvation. The Bible says that a savior was born to you. So we look at that and we learn very quickly that the gospel becomes very personal, that for you and because of you, God sent his son Jesus. And I showed you that last week that salvation has three dimensions to it. We're saved from something so we can be saved from uh, shame and guilt and depression and addiction, but ultimately we're saved from sin, okay? But we're also saved for something, and we learned that what we're saved for is our purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you hope in a future. This is how I said it last Sunday, God saved you on purpose and for purpose, but he also saved you for heaven. Come on now. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that this world is not my permanent home. Come on, church. I'm just passing through. So we're promised the beauty of heaven, a place where there is no sickness, a place where there is no pain, a place where there is no politics. Come on in Jesus' name. So we're saved for something, and that for something is heaven. And then beautifully, we're saved by grace, God's amazing grace. Wave at me if you're thankful for grace today. Come on, grace. I define grace like this, God giving to you what you need and not what you deserve. That's grace, God giving you what you need and not what you deserve. So we're learning Christmas in three words. Christmas is about celebration. Christmas is about salvation. Now, let me give you the third one. Pick up in verse number 12. The angel said, this is gonna be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. They were praising God and this is what they said. And I want both of our campuses, come on, let's read this together on the count of three. One, two, three, what they say, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. I'm gonna give you the, the third word, you ready? Christmas is about celebration. Christmas is about salvation. And thirdly, Christmas is all about reconciliation reconciliation. Now, this is a word that maybe you're not uh, familiar with in terms of your, your vocabulary on a day-to-day -day basis, but this is a, a term that, that we all understand. Reconciliation literally means that there is a broken relationship that needs to be restored. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, in the first 
two words. We saw the particular word highlighted within the context of the scripture. Where, where's this word? And you read it. You just missed it. Watch this. It says, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Here it is. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, peace is reconciliation. You, you cannot restore a broken relationship until there first is. Somebody shout peace. 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 Now, I've been working on uh, this collection of conversations for some time now, preparing for Christmas in three words. And when I looked at the idea of reconciliation and peace, I learned in my study that your Bible from Genesis to Revelation has 790 verses that deal with the topic of peace. Almost 800 verses in your Bible deal with the responsibility for us to recognize the ministry of reconciliation and the opportunity for peace. This is what I believe is if it's in the Bible one time, it's on purpose. If it's in there 800 times, hello. So what I want to do today is I want to look at all 800 verses. Come on, somebody. You're going to enjoy today. We're just going to read them all. No, I'm just kidding. Let me give you a few. We'll just give you a few. Isaiah 9, 6 says that this, those of you with the ADD, you thought 800 verses. Come on now. Now, just a few. Isaiah 9, 6 says it like this. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And I love this especially in the, uh, the situation that our country is in, and the government is going to rest on his shoulders. Come on, give me a better amen than that. Especially those of you in Germantown, right outside of D.C. My God, thanks be to God that the government is resting on his shoulders. And watch, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And you can already see the last one, but before I read it to you, let me tell you a quick story. So my family, as you know, because I've said this in the series, we're doing an Advent devotion together. So every night we read some scripture, we have some, some questions, and then we get a merry moment. And the merry moment is always an assignment, something uh, challenging to do or fun to do. So the other night in our Advent devotion, the merry moment was to memorize Isaiah 9-6. It's shocking the uh, intelligence of children and their ability to memorize stuff, isn't it? I mean, the kids are destroying me in the, the uh, memorization of Isaiah 9-6. Uh, they got it down. So the other night, uh, we get into bed. We're doing our devotion, and uh, we're going to test and see how well is the family doing on their memorization of Isaiah 9-6. So we go around, and everybody's doing a really good job. We get to my four-year-old little girl, London. Imagine this, four years old, sitting up, proud in her bed, and she says, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, the never blasting father. Come on out. And I told her, I said, my Lord, thank you for not being the never blasting father. You're a never blasting father. How many of you know he's a never blasting father? You know, it's a big joke in our house. We walk around, and we worship the never blasting father. She felt it when she said it. But not only is he the everlasting father and the never blasting father, he's also the prince of peace. He's the prince of of peace. And I love this word here because in Isaiah verses nine or chapter nine, verse six, Isaiah is declaring this prophecy. Watch this. 700 years before the, the Messiah comes, 700 years before there is a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Isaiah is talking about the wonderful counselor. 700 years before Jesus shows up, Isaiah is talking about the mighty God. Isaiah declares that he will be a never blasting father 700 years before Jesus shows up. And I love this because when Jesus comes on the scene, his whole ministry is about peace. Everything that he does is about peace. 
Even when Jesus uh, is ascending to heaven, he's ascending to heaven, some of the last words that Jesus leaves us on this earth are found in John 14, 27. And of all the things he could have said, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm going to leave you peace. Come on, somebody receive that today. He says, my peace I give to you. And then he says this, he says, I do not give peace to you as the world gives. Why? Listen, because the type of peace that the world gives is a counterfeit type of peace. Jesus knew that the type of peace that the world gives is a fake peace. It's a phony peace. The world will tell you that when life is crazy and life is chaotic, the world will say you can find peace in the pill or the bottle or the website or the affair or whatever that looks like. And Jesus says, hey, all of that is fake. It's phony. And listen to me. This is my own testimony when it comes to addiction and things of that. Before I found Jesus, I I took what the world was offering. And at the end of the day, I still felt depressed. I still felt lost. I still felt empty. But one day, somebody help me preach today. One day I met, listen to me, I met the Prince of Peace. And when I met Jesus, somebody say his name. When I met Jesus, the Prince of Peace, all of a sudden I took his peace and his peace was not counterfeit. His peace was not phony. His peace was not fake. It was a peace that passed all of my understanding. I wish I had like 200 people. Come on now, that would help me out. And Jesus says, so if you accept my peace, if you take my peace, you reject the peace the world offers and you accept my peace, then he says this, you don't ever have to have a troubled heart. You don't, you don't ever have to be afraid because when you accept my peace, you rest on God, the goodness of God, and you realize that he's faithful to the end. Come on right there, put your hands together, come on. So here's the truth. Look, a lot of people have come in today. We got two campuses, multiple gatherings between those two campuses and Truth be told, I don't, I don't know what season of life you're in. I don't know what 2019 was like for you. I don't know if it was a good year. I don't know if it was a bad year. I, I don't know the stuff you brought into one of our campuses today. Shame, guilt, regret, whatever. I, I don't know. But I can tell you this, that if you're here today and you, you lack joy, you lack peace, you lack the goodness of God, if there are some broken relationships, you've come on a really good Sunday. Because Jesus says today, on December the 22nd, come on somebody, Jesus says today that you can have his peace, that, that you can grab hold of, of his peace. You can replace the peace you've been given by the world with the peace of Jesus, and it won't fix every problem, it won't calm every storm, but when you walk through the storm, you can just rest in the love of Jesus Christ, knowing that he is faithful and that he's good. Come on, again. So here's here's what the Bible does. The Bible actually talks about three kinds of peace. There are three types of peace in the Bible. So when you take all 790 verses of, of Scripture, that talk about reconciliation and peace and you begin to categorize them, we see three different categories when it comes to the topic of peace. You've got a spiritual peace. That's eternal peace, okay? You have an emotional peace. That's internal, so in your heart, in your soul. And then you have a relational peace. And watch, Christmas is about all three. Christmas and the understanding of why we celebrate Christmas 
revolves around the idea of us being offered eternal peace, internal peace, and external peace. So let's jump into this. Let me talk about the first one here. The first one is internal peace, and this is how your Bible would word it. It says this. This, is, this type of peace is peace with God. It's peace with God. Now, I'm going to give you all three today, but I'm going to make a statement. I think of all the different types of peace that we talk about, this is the most important. Because this affects everything else you do. And if you lack this, it will impact all of your surrounding circumstances and the people that you're connected to. So let me say it like this. If you don't have peace with God, you'll never experience the peace of God and you can never fully comprehend peace with others. Do you get that? Now, we talked a little bit about this last Sunday because if you ever get to the place in your life where you say, I'm going to be my own boss, I'm going to do my own thing, I'm not, I'm not going to do what the Bible says, okay, I'm going to be the Lord of my own life, listen to me. I talked about that last Sunday. Go back and listen to the full sermon, but here's the point. If you get to that place where you say, I'm going to make my own decisions, I'm going to be in charge, I'm going to reject a relationship with Jesus that he offers to us for free, then ultimately that attitude is us living in rebellion. It's a rebellious spirit. Now listen, rebellion is conflict. So what you're saying, if you say, I reject what God is offering me, I'm going to do my own thing, live my own life, you're living in rebellion and rebellion is conflict. So you are ultimately declaring war with God. You're at war because you're, you're fighting. You're fighting what needs to be with what you are and where you are. Now, here's the good news. God says at one time we were all at war with him. All of us were at war with God. And he says this, ultimately, that you just need to be reconciled, that you need to experience peace with God so that that broken relationship between you and God can, can be restored. It can be healed. He can, he can put you back together the way that he intended for you to be. Here's the good news. It's found in 2 Corinthians 5.18. The Bible says this, that God reconciled us to himself through Christ and then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I don't want this particular verse to be complicated or for you to lack understanding here. When you read this verse, God reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It's when we finally realize that no matter how far away from God we are, we can always be put right with him. That no matter how deep, no matter how dark, the life is that we are living in, no matter how, how crazy the, the feeling of being at war with God is, here's what God says. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, he says, hey, this is the verse that all I need you to sign because this is our peace treaty. This is it. God slides this verse across the table and he says, we're at war, but I've, I've made a way. Do you see that? And he says, I, I just need you to sign this. What God is saying is I've sent my son Jesus to the earth to be the reconciler between God and man to fix what the enemy has broken. And so when we sign this peace treaty, ultimately we're putting our trust in him and then we get to experience his peace. That's good, isn't it? Romans 5.1 says it like this, that since we have been reconciled, since we have been made right with God, 
by faith, that's important, because Paul, Paul is reminding us that peace does not come from anything you can do. Peace doesn't come from anything you can buy. Peace doesn't come from how many times you go to church in a year. Peace doesn't come by how much money you give. Peace doesn't come by your volunteer hours. No, no, no. Paul says we've been reconciled by faith and we have, here it is, we have peace with God because of what Jesus did. Because of what Jesus has done for us. I'm going to talk about me because I've been guilty of this. I've, I've tried to make peace with God by, by telling God, well, I'll be good. No, you won't. <laughs> I, I've tried to promise God I'll, I'll never sin again. That's not true. I've told God, well, well, I'll just be perfect. Kimberly, don't say amen. All right, my wife. I'm not, we're not going to be perfect. And Paul is saying, look, all you have to have is faith, faith to believe that it is God who sent his son Jesus to be the reconciler, to give us this peace treaty. And when we have faith, we rest on not anything we could do to earn it or receive it, but we receive it because of what Jesus has done for us. Come on, this is, this is Merry Christmas, everybody. Let's stay in Romans chapter five. Let me give you another verse. And you can already tell me, I'll give you a ton of Bible today to back up everything that I believe the Lord has dropped in my heart. Verse 10 of Romans 5 says it like this. Even though we were his enemies. See, I didn't make this up. We were all at war with God. I too have been at war with God before. And even while we were his enemies, God made what? Yeah, God made peace with us because his son died for our sins. And here it is. Now that we have been reconciled to God, we will be saved for how long? Forever. By his son's life. Let me say it like this. I want to summarize everything under this first peace point by this thought. When we get right with God, then we get to have peace with God. You'll never get peace with God until you get right with God. So until you get right with God, until you come in alignment with God, until you stop trying to be your own Lord and you say, okay, I lay my life down and, and I, I commit my life to following you, you will always be at war. There will always be this, this tugging. The Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that challenge will never stop. The enemy wants you dead, but it's good news when you have a peace treaty with God and you know that when I'm right with God, I get the peace of God. I don't know if you've ever studied world religions. I'm certainly no scholar on world religions, but in college, I took a, a, a few world religion courses or, or maybe you're familiar with, you know, some anthropology and and if you've ever studied or looked at other religions, you know that the majority of other religions outside of Christianity require their followers to provide what they call a peace offering. So this peace offering is supposed to make them right with that God. So you would sacrifice some type of animal or, or something that was of great value to you. You go back in history, okay? Look at, look at the Greeks and, and the Romans and even the Native American religions and you can see that in those faith movements, they require a peace offering. You have to present something as a sacrifice. Let me tell you some good news. Your Bible, this Bible right here, tells us that you and I don't need to bring some kind of peace offering because God offers us the Prince of Peace. So all of these other religions say, hey, present a peace offering. And God says, forget that. He said, I'll send my son Jesus who 
will be our sacrifice through his death on the cross. It's Hebrews 7, verse 27. The Bible says this, unlike all of the other high priests, he, who is he? He is Jesus. Come on. Jesus does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. The Bible says that Jesus became our sacrifice when he offered himself. Come on, give me a good amen right there. We don't... We don't need to present a peace offering. We just get to sign the peace treaty. This is a great place to pause and give Jesus some thanks. Come on. All right, watch this. I wish I could stay there, but time's running out and I got a lot to say. Once you make peace with God, that's an external peace. Okay. Then you get the internal peace, which the Bible calls this, the peace of God. So once you make peace with God, then you get the peace of God. And check this out. Lean in for a second. In order to make it in this world, in 2019, about to be 2020, which I don't know about you, but I thought by 2020, this place would look a whole lot more like the Jetsons. I'm just saying, but but we we live in a messed up place, don't we? So, So as long as you're alive on this earth, regardless of your zip code, If you want to make it, you're going to need the peace of God. And the only way to get the peace of God, here it is, watch, is to have peace with God. Because once you have peace with God, then you get the peace of God. And this is important because this is how you put up with what you have to put up with. It's to have that peace that passes all of your understanding. Let me give you a verse. This is a powerful verse. Uh, as a matter of fact, listen to me. If, if you grab hold of this one verse, it could change your life forever. How's that for a statement? The Bible says this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of God, again, you don't get the peace of God until you get peace with God. Let the peace of God rule where? Internal. Think about this. What would happen in your world, not just the world, but your world, if you let the peace of God rule your heart? You wouldn't be so quick-tempered. Um, I felt some tension, so I'm going to be really careful with the next bullet points that I choose. People wouldn't annoy you as much. If you, if you let the peace of God Rule in your heart, that internal peace, the traffic would not bother you the way it bothers you. I can't believe they can't. We know they can't drive. Hey, and I'm just going to let you in on a little secret. You can't drive either. Come on now. Somebody just wave at me because you love me. I love you too. Come on, Germantown. Oh, Jesus, take the will. If you let the peace of God that you only get when you are at peace with God, rule your heart. Listen to me oh, Jesus, then you won't need the drink to make it through the busy day or the stressful season. You won't need the drug to help you cope with fill in the blank. Because now all of a sudden you've recognized that there is no substance like the Holy Spirit. Come on, church. And so you've let the peace, if you, if you, let, the peace of, if you let the peace of God rule your hearts, you would enjoy going home after work. Instead of dread, instead of dreading walking in to that crazy spouse and, and them children that just need Jesus. Well, yeah, they, they do. 
And we're, we're the spiritual example in our home. Uh, is this helping you today? You let the peace of God rule your heart, things don't bug you like they used to bug you. Hey, I'm, how do I say this? I'm, I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not who I used to be. So I, we're all a work in progress, okay? We've never, we, none of us have arrived. But let me say this to you. Over the last few years, I, I would, if, if my wife grabbed the microphone, she would testify to this truth, that when I started to adopt this as a motto for my life, things have changed drastically in the way that I am a husband to her, the way that I'm a parent to my children. I used to wrestle. And, and some of you who've, who have known me for a while, man, I used to wrestle with such, and I, I still have some competitiveness to me. And there's a part of that that should be there. That's okay. Let it drive you, but not to the point of losing your temper. Man, I used to be so quick tempered and the littlest of things would bother me and rob my joy. Now I'm just like, whatever. I, I like to say like this, ain't nobody got time for that. And I'll tell you why. Because once, I've, once I got right with God, I used to blame it on everybody else until one day I woke up and I thought, wait a minute, I'm the problem. I'm the problem. So once I got right with God, then I got the peace of God. And once I got the peace of God, then I just started saying, you know what? In every situation, regardless of what it is, I can have peace. Uh, the English word that we're using is peace. The Hebrew word for peace is the word shalom. Even, even, even people that aren't Christians around the world, they, they know this word. Uh, this is a greeting in the Jewish tradition. So when Jews will greet one another, they don't say, hey, how you doing? Or how's it going? They say shalom, peace, peace be with you. I want to give you this word because I think it's really important. I have learned in my own life, and I'm trying to preach this to you the best I know how, that there is shalom in every situation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is shalom in every sickness. There is shalom in every bad report. There is shalom every time the car breaks down. There is shalom when the unexpected bill shows up. Let me say it to you like this. God has a peace for every problem. Come on, church. Every, come on, if we're going to clap, let's do it well. God has a peace for every problem. So watch this. When you're sick, there is a physical peace. Uh, when you're maxed out financially, there is a financial peace. When relationships are broken, there is a relational peace. Every problem that you have, God provides a peace. So oh, can I just preach for a minute? So when you wake up tomorrow and the bills stack up on top of one another, when your crazy dysfunctional family shows up for the holidays, there is shalom in the middle of that mess. If you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you a report you didn't want to hear, listen to me. You can have peace. Somebody say peace. You get peace because whatever problem the enemy throws at you, whatever problem he threw at you in 2019, whatever problem he tries to throw at you in 2020, whatever storm shows up in your life, there is a peace for every problem. Am I talking to anybody today? Anybody going through something that you need some shalom in your life? There is a peace. 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 Wonderful peace. <laughs> On the count of three, here's what I want you to do, both campuses. I want you to make this statement really personal. Here's what I want you to say. For every problem I have, there is a peace. Let me say it again. For every problem I have, there is a peace. One, two, three. For every problem I have, there is a peace. Now, how many of you believe that? 
then why do you keep stressing? Oh, I believe it. Do you? Because the tension in your house says otherwise. Every problem I got, there's a peace. Do you believe that? Because you're wrestling with God about why didn't you answer my prayer the way I prayed it? You ought to thank God he didn't answer your prayer the way you prayed it. How many of you are thankful God has answered some prayers differently than how you prayed it? Come on. I would have been divorced like three or four times by now. Come on, somebody. Oh, Lord, let her be the one. Thank God she wasn't the one. She cray-cray. Come on, somebody. God didn't answer that prayer the way I prayed it. God let Kimberly show up. Come on now. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. You've been divorced a bunch of times. Some crazy women. Crazy women. I feel the Lord on that. Some of y'all going to bring home some dude or some woman for Christmas and your whole family's going to say, they ain't the one. And you're going to try and force that? Boy, my father-in-law says it this way. Let the spirit of slap come on you. Come on now. If you're bringing home, I don't, I'm going I'm to say it. Can I just say it? If you got a boyfriend or girlfriend, you're going to introduce them to the family. Let the people that love you the most give you their honest opinion. And if all of them say no, tell him or her, you got to go. Come on now. Anyway, I got to keep moving. I don't know where that came from. I hear you, Lord. I hear you, Lord. Yeah. Every problem you got, there's a peace for. There is shalom in every situation. Okay, let me keep moving. So once you make peace with God, then you get the peace of God, and now you get external peace. Watch this. It's peace with others. It's peace with others. There's the eternal peace, the internal peace, and now... Now God says you get peace with others. And you know this. I don't, most of what I say is not new to you. It's just uh, confirmation or affirmation to help you in your spiritual journey. So you know this. Conflict is everywhere. I mean, people are fighting about, I mean, we fight, can I just, we fight about the silliest of things. You know, I don't, I know it's, it's, it's colder up in Germantown, but today there's a lot of rain here. You try me. You will find somebody that will argue about the weather. It ain't raining. Like, what world do you live in, man? I'm getting wet. It ain't raining. You want to know rain? I'll tell you about rain. Anybody know somebody like that? It's like, can we just agree? It's okay. It's overcast. It ain't overcast. In 1922, I saw an overcast. All right. Whatever, man. Conflict about everything. Children fighting with their parents. Nations fighting against nations. How many, watch this. God gives you a peace treaty. How many, how many peace treaties amongst nations have been broken? All of them? So nations fight against nations? Political parties fighting against political parties? I'm, I'm really feeling anointed now. Someone's going to keep rolling. If you, I don't, it doesn't matter to me what you think of our president in terms of your preference or political party. That really doesn't matter. That's between you and the Lord and your convictions and all of that stuff. But when people celebrate the fact that our country is walking through an impeachment process, how are we, it, it burdens me when I get on Facebook and I see people celebrating that we're in an impeachment process. So political parties are fighting against each other? It, 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 it troubles my spirit because a nation divided against itself will not stand. Listen, 
Jesus, if we keep arguing, the United States of America will become the divided states of America. And just like the Roman Empire and every other great empire that existed before us, we will fall flat on our face. But if we can come together in a spirit of unity, if we can have peace with one another, cross the aisle, cross, watch this, even churches, churches are fighting against each other. Let me tell you this, at Go Church, we are in competition with no one. No one. In both of our campuses, in both of those cities, I see new churches being planted and new, new churches being built. And every time I drive by, I don't think, oh, God, you know, get them. No. I think, man, thank you, Jesus. Another life-giving church. And then you know what I do? Then I write down names of all the crazy people that attend our church, and I deliver it to that pastor and say, here is a list of people that you can start your church with. Can we just get along? Listen to me, that's funny. I don't care who you are, that is funny. <laughs> Some of you are wondering if you're on the list. Yes. Jesus said it like this, Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the... Uh-oh. He didn't say you'll be blessed if you're a troublemaker. So let me say something, fellas. When you go home and you start conflict, when you come, I've had a long day. Will you... See, oh, Jesus, I feel, I feel some conviction. I had a long day. So I'm going to take it out on the people that I love the most. And what, you, know, you know why they say dogs are a man's best friend? Because when you walk in, those dogs, man, they're jumping up and down. They're so glad to see you. It troubles me, though, that when we walk home because, or we walk into our home, so many of us are troublemakers. Everybody goes to their own room. Dad's home. Mom's home. Here we go. Jesus said that if you want to be known as a child of God, then you're going to be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. You want to be known as a child of God, you're going to build people up, not tear people down. You, you, want, to, you want to be known as a, as a child of God, then you're going to compliment more than you criticize. Watch this. You want to be known as a child of God, then you're going to love people the way that Christ loves you. Isn't that powerful? So I'm going to ask you a question. Who, who do you need to reconcile a relationship with this Christmas. Let me say it to you like this. Who do you need to restore a broken relationship with? I said this last week and I kind of got ahead of myself, but I felt the Lord then too. But how many more holidays are you going to go with that broken relationship when Jesus says, I'm offering you peace. There can be peace in your heart. There can be peace with God and there can be peace with other people. Ephesians 3 says it like this. We don't fight against flesh and blood. I know, I know that your family's got some stuff. We all got stuff. We all do. When I was growing up, I used to think, God, why'd you put me in this family? Because every time I go hang out with that family, they got it all together. Until I hung out with them for a few days. And then I was like, thank God I'm in my family. Because that family is messed up. We all got stuff. We are all one crazy uncle away from the Jerry Springer show. Be honest. Come on now. How many times are you going to fight, though, with your family? Years? Decades? When God says, if you make peace with me, you get the peace of me, and you can make peace with others, a coworker, a relative. Come on, listen to me. Uh, I'm, some of this is, is funnier today than I anticipated, but I hope you're getting the point of what I'm trying to say. And I know I've given a few blows here or there, but 
I'm going I'm to say one more thing here and then, and then I'll move on. It baffles me how many people and how many families are still allowing things from your past to hurt you in your present. Something that happened years ago is still affecting you today. Can I tell you something? I think this would be liberating for most of us. I'm telling you that God can restore a broken relationship and the only way they can keep hurting you is if you let them keep hurting you. Do you hear that? Don't let something that happened in the past hurt you in the present. I don't know if there's a better gift than, than peace. So here's the, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I'm going to give it to you out of the message translation. I don't always use the message translation, but I cross reference it a lot because of the way that it's worded. But I, I thought it'd be appropriate to show you this verse today. Acts chapter 10, verse 35, the message, it says this, it makes no difference who you are. It makes no difference where you come from. If you're here today and you want God and you're ready to do whatever he says, I love this. The door is open. It's open. I got to, I got to do this really quick. I'm going to give them to you. Watch this. I'm going to give you the steps to peace. I want you to pinpoint the problem. Ultimately it's, it's not a, it can be a person, but there's something deeper than that. Okay. What's, what's the problem that's robbing you of your peace? Embrace God's love because he loves you unconditionally. You see that? So once you pinpoint the problem, once you embrace God's love, then I want you to accept Jesus, make peace with God. Then you get the peace of God. Now you can make peace with others. This is a big one. Watch this. Consider your community because you will always act like who you run with. Some of y'all are hanging out with some people you don't need to hang out with. This is why at Go Church, we preach groups. Not because I know you're, you're, I know you're busy. I get that but you need to be in the right group, the right community, where you can be encouraged and uplifted, where you can be held accountable. I always say this, going into a new year, give this church one year of your life. Consider this to be your community. And at the end of 2020, your life will be different. Pinpoint the problem, embrace God's love, accept Jesus, consider your community. And then the last one is this, expect God's best. Why as believers do we always expect the worst? Let me make it, let me say it like this. So when you wake up and you don't feel good and you got a cough, why do you go to WebMD and think you have cancer? I'm going I'm, I'm to die. So the, the last two or three weeks, I haven't felt my best. You know what I mean? A, a lot of sickness floating around. And I can't tell you how many times that I've woken up not feeling good and the enemy's like, you're going to die. Really? So I've countered that thought because I'm going to expect God's best. So I've countered the thought, well, if I die, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I win anyway. I mean, why do we always expect God's worst? Having peace doesn't mean that you'll never have a problem. Having peace, peace with God, peace of God, peace with others means that Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good. Let me say it like this, that whatever the devil is using that he means for evil, God can make it good. So expect God's best. Do you get that? That, let me say this. Oh, Jesus. That even in pain, there's purpose. And even in tragedy, there's triumph. One quick story. Uh, someone that's very well known is a man by the name of Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford, true story, by the way. Horatio Spafford was a wealthy real estate investor and attorney millions and millions of dollars worth of assets. Well, one night, 1871, 
a cow kicked over a lantern in a barn and caused the great Chicago fire. And one night, Horatio Spafford lost all of his wealth, completely gone. In this same time period, his only son, four years old, was diagnosed with scarlet fever and he died. So Horatio had this idea, I'm gonna send my, I'm gonna send my wife and four daughters on vacation. He got some money together, he bought five tickets on a cruise liner sailing across the Atlantic Ocean and Horatio decided that after a few days of working on some business back in the United States, he would meet them in England. Partway through the trip to England, their boat tragically collided with a British ship and their boat sunk to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. 226 people died in that accident. Somehow Anna, Horatio's wife, survived, but the four daughters drowned. When she reached landfall in England, she wrote a telegram to her husband. And on this telegram, it simply wrote, saved alone, what shall I do? So Horatio immediately bought a ticket. He was going to try to get to his wife to console her. And so now he gets on a boat himself and he's crossing the Atlantic Ocean. And the captain of that boat, knowing the tragic story, summoned Horatio and said to him, good sir, right now we are crossing the exact point in the ocean where your family, four daughters, drown. The boat they were on is now beneath us. Horatio walked to the bow of the boat with journal and pen in hand. And in that moment of grief, in that moment of sorrow, in that moment of pain, he penned these words. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, watch this, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I think it would sound something like this. Let's just worship for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. invite you to stand. Don't leave just yet. I'm transitioning to your campus pastor. Here's the questions. I'm going to give you three today. Do you need to make peace with God? Sign that peace treaty today. Turn your life over to him and then you can receive the peace of God that's inside. 
Maybe you need to make peace with others. Whatever my lot, whatever the fight, whatever the pain, whatever the conflict, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Every head bowed, both campuses. Just pray for a moment.